this past week, I was looking at what our society regards as the most difficult and stressful jobs. I found some of these to be quite interesting. Financial manager, marriage and family therapist, lawyer, surgeon, compliance officer, construction manager, and mental health counselor all made the list as some of the most stressful and difficult jobs in our society. But I noticed there was one job not listed that I would actually put on the very top of the list, and that's the job of being a parent. (laughs) Nowhere on any list did I see parent, but if you're a parent here today or you plan to be a parent in the future, maybe you are in the beautiful stage of being a grandparent and you're now watching your children suffer with all of the things that they inflicted on you when you were raising your kids, whatever your situation today. Listen, we understand that being a parent is the toughest job on planet Earth. And I'll tell you why, because as a parent, you know what? You take all of the stressful, difficult jobs on every list of stressful, difficult jobs, and you roll them all up into one, and that's what it means to be a parent. Because as a parent, you're a financial manager, you're a marriage and family therapist, you're a lawyer. Sometimes you gotta take your kids before the judge. You're a surgeon or a medical technician at times. You're a compliance officer, a construction manager, fixing things, and then certainly a mental health counselor. (laughs) You're like, all of these things rolled up into one. And if you're a parent today, I want to encourage you just with the reminder that being a parent is the toughest job on planet Earth. It is the most rewarding role that you will ever have. But without question, it is the most difficult role you will ever have. And we're all in it together. (laughs) That's one of the most beautiful things about the family of God, the people of God, about being a part of the church is is that we're we're in this together. And and today we're really a community of people who who are rallying together for the cause of Christ and, 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 and to live for him and to see the beauty of his design play out in our lives. And, and nowhere is that beauty seen more strategically than in our homes, in our families. And, and therefore the role of being a parent, a mom or a dad is, is so critically important, but it is so difficult. Sam Levinson said years ago, insanity is hereditary. You get it from your kids. John Wilmot said, before I got married, I had six theories about raising children. Now I have six children and no theories. (laughs) I don't know about you. I know for me, I was a way better parent before I had kids. (laughs) I knew a lot more. I was way more dogmatic. I was way more critical of others. I was able to point the finger and say, they have no idea what they're doing, but I know what I'm doing. And then the Lord blessed my wife and I with children. And I realized we have no idea what we are doing. It's a really, really, really tough job. So today we're gonna talk about 
a strategic aspect of parenting. And I, and I just want you to know, again, we're all in this together and, and we're gonna talk about some biblical guidelines and some biblical parameters on, on what it looks like to incorporate God's design into your home as a mother or a father, maybe even as a grandparent, maybe you're kind of already through that stage of, of raising your children, but this will be a message where you can take some truths from God's word and you can encourage your children with them. Maybe you're planning to be a parent in the future, and there'll be some things here that I promise will be helpful as you look forward into the future. And so, so we're going to talk about some guidelines today, some biblical parameters and guidelines about really the, the two pillars on which biblical parenting rests. And, and I want you to know as we talk about these things today, it is not going to be an exhaustive conversation on parenting. <laughs> And so there's a lot, of, a lot of editing that went into preparing this message today because there's no way in just a few moments together that we can cover every essential aspect of what we're going to discuss with respect to biblical parenting today. But we're gonna hit some essential things that I think would be an encouragement to you. And then I, I want you to know as we talk about them, really my foundation here is the word of God. I'm gonna share some real life examples with you from my family so that you don't feel like you're the only one who struggles or who's discouraged or whose kids do and say things at times that, that leave you speechless. And, and, and all of that, I just want you to understand that, 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 that I'm still navigating this, this road with you and, and I don't consider myself an expert. I'm far from a perfect parent. But again, I've learned some things about the beauty of God's design. I wanna, I wanna anchor our thoughts and our hopes today really in how God has designed the, the role of parents. And, and, and so here's a key takeaway. I'm gonna encourage you to take this down. I, I want you to see what, what the scripture teaches us really from start to finish about parenting, namely that, that biblical parenting is established on the pillars of formative instruction and corrective discipline. So when we think about parenting, we think about God's design for parenting, we think about, okay, working through history and seeing God's design played out in, in, a, in the role of a father and a mother. Here's what we see. There are really two pillars on which God's role for parents, like it rests, it sits. There's two pillars on which biblical parenting is established. The pillars of formative instruction and corrective discipline. Our children need both. They need teaching. They need training. They need education, information, encouragement. They need guidance and they also need time out. And for some of us, a woodshed that you're taking behind every now and then. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that today, but in my day, I was taken behind the woodshed on occasion twice a day. <laughs> our, our kids need these two things. And both of these things are critically important. And, and it's, really, it's really incumbent upon us as parents to balance these two pillars and ensure that both of these things are evident in our homes, in our kids' lives. It's easy to tilt one way or the other. But, but here are these two pillars. Our kids need formative instruction, teaching, encouragement, guidance, but they also need corrective discipline. They need training. They, they need to know the difference between right and wrong and what it looks like to sin and to bear the consequences of it. 
Uh, Let me show you. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to see here God's design, and it's really summarized in in just a few verses here in Ephesians 6, but I've got a lot more scriptures for you today, but I want you to see a foundational word given specifically to moms and dads and also to children. And in a few months, we're actually going to be walking through Ephesians together, and we'll have more to, to, to discuss, especially with with what God says to children and how that plays out in the home. Today, really, our focus is on on parenting, but I want you to see the context of what God says to parents uh, in in Ephesians chapter 6. You notice in verse 1, the Lord says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And if you'll honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Let me just say quickly, those of you who are uh, uh, elementary students, high school students, middle school students, college students, listen, you're, you're living in, at home still and you're under the authority and the blessing of your parents. I just want to say on behalf of your parents, because all of them emailed me today and asked that I would say this to you, okay? I want you to know your parents love you more than you can ever imagine right now in your stage of life. I want you to know your parents care deeply for you. They are for you in ways that you can never imagine. And and through all the ins and outs of what we're going to navigate today, I just want you to know your parents are doing their very, very best. You are not easy to raise. (laughs) And parenting is really hard, as you will find out one day. But I just want you to understand your parents love you. They are for you. They're doing their very, very best. I have no doubt about that. And here is your primary role in your home. It is to honor and obey your parents. You don't always have to agree. You don't always have to understand. But that word honor, especially in the Old Testament, comes from a word that means heavy. And it, and, and it speaks to the fact that, that to honor your parents is to give them weight. It's like a scale, and and the more weight you put on the scale, like the more gold, the more silver, the more value. And and, and, and here's what God's will is for you as a student in your home. Listen, it's to give your parents weight and value knowing they are for your good. They're doing their very, very best, and God's design for you is to follow their lead. That's his design for you. Obey your parents in the Lord Honor your mother and father, and this will lead to long life. You may not get it now, but I promise you the parameters, the rules, the guidelines, the instruction, the discipline, listen, all of this is for your good. Even when those of us who are parents mess up, we fail, we don't always get it right, but it's important. We see here scripturally that the role of a child is to obey and to give weight to mom and dad. That's super, super helpful. But then there's a word to moms and dads, to fathers in particular. Of course, it applies to both. But look at this in chapter uh, 6 and verse 4. This will be our, our focus today. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. So children obey, children honor, but fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, now look at these two pillars. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now we see this throughout, throughout God's word. That the two pillars on which biblical parenting rest are the pillars of formative instruction and corrective discipline. Both are necessary. 
See, one of the ways that we discourage our children at times is to either over-discipline and under-encourage or over-encourage and under-discipline. And both are essential. Formative instruction, regular encouragement, ongoing guidance, but corrective discipline, specific training, both of these things are important. I believe in our society today, there is a greater tendency for parents to under-discipline in an effort to over-encourage. But it's a really, really bad thing. Those of you with toddlers, see them smash a toy in anger after you ask them to do something and to get down and say, no, hey, honey, did that feel good to smash that toy? Was that, oh, that was a good throw. You're gonna be a pitcher one day. No, we don't wanna under-discipline, nor do we want to over-discipline and under-encourage. It's, it's a balancing act. This is one of the things that makes parenting so difficult, especially as you're adding children and they're maturing through different stages and seasons of life. Some of you, like my wife and I are blessed with strong-willed children and, and, and you know, you just get tired, exhausted. It's just, there, there's, there, there's, when your kids are young, there's a physical exhaustion that you just feel like you're never gonna get over, but you will. And at just that moment, you're over the physical exhaustion, you will meet emotional, spiritual, and relational exhaustion. And, and I don't know if you ever really come out of that stage. There's, there's always something you're concerned about, praying about, burdened about, and and so that physical exhaustion, some of you are in that physical exhaustion stage right now where your kids are young and you're just like, please sleep through the night or please stop giving me a hard time and please just once obey. And you're just so physically tired and you're adding kids. You're like, I don't know how this keeps happening. That's a different message for another day. And, and you're just like, I'm so tired, 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 tired. And then you're gonna navigate a little season when they're probably in elementary school. If you're, if you're sticking to God's design, that you have a sweet season where you're resting and you're kind of like good and you're gonna think you got it figured out and then the hormones change and it's just hang on for dear life until college. And then you're more emotionally, spiritually, relationally tired and burdened and, and, and you're having harder conversations and navigating more complexities and friendships and all the rest. And so there's always something you're focused on, worried about balancing. And so in all of this, in the fatigue and the frustration, in, 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 in the multiplication of, of your family and all this and navigating your career and just everything, it's easy at times to come into stages where you're overcorrecting and under encouraging. Or, this is another temptation. In an effort to be your child's friend in those older stages, you under-discipline. You, you over-encourage, over over-instruct. And, and, and there's a reminder here to be balanced in the sense that, you know what? Your, your child, more than anything else, needs you to be a parent, not their friend. No, it's okay to be your child's friend, and you should be. But there are a lot of parents today thinking, you know what? It's more important for me to be a friend than a parent. And I'm telling you, no, 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 no. They need you to be a parent. <laughs> and so what happens as your kids get older is there's, there's a shift in their identity away from mom and dad to peers and friends. And, and that's okay. They're growing and maturing and the Lord's preparing them to 
to live outside of your home one day, that is the goal of parenting, <laughs> to kick them out that nest and start spending money on yourself. That is the goal. <laughs> and so there's a shift in your kids, the older they get away from their identity in mom and dad, the parent, and now it's shifting to the peer. And there are a lot of parents who try to make that shift with their kids and try to move away from being the parent and the disciplinarian and the trainer to being the peer, and that never ends well. So whatever stage of life you're in, whatever you're navigating today, listen, it's important you understand the pillars on which biblical parenting rests are formative instruction and corrective discipline. And, and whatever stage of life, we're gonna talk about these different stages today, whatever stage of life you're in, there, there's that balance. You've, you've gotta balance both of those things and not, not, not over-encourage to the point that you under-discipline or over-discipline to the point that you're under-encouraging and instructing. No, there's just a balance there and, and that's what makes it so very difficult. It's, it's, it's not an exact science. But it's important today as parents, we're encouraged to instruct and to discipline in a way that benefits our children. As I said, it's, it's so important that we, that we always strategically stay in the role of parent, even as we develop meaningful friendships with our children. King Edward VIII, years ago, after a visit to the United States, went back to England and he was asked about what he observed in the US. And he said, quote, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. <laughs> I got a kick out of that. It's, it's a tough job. It's the toughest job on planet earth. Balance is required, formative teaching, ongoing training. And let me just show you that word discipline in the New Testament is also used as training. We don't wanna think of discipline only as punishment or, or some type of corrective behavior. It really has the idea of training. Let me give you a key example. Many of you will recognize this verse of scripture. It's the exact same word used that that is in Ephesians 6, 4, 2 Timothy 3, 16. You'll recognize this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. There's the word. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That is the same word translated discipline in Ephesians 6, 4. Same word, as the idea of training. What does the word of God do? Well, it encourages, it builds up, it instructs, but it also gives us words of correction and discipline. Why? That's called training. What happens when you train? Well, you have some type of resistance that builds muscle, right? And you can tell by looking at me, I've had a lot of resistance in my life, <laughs> right? That's what happens when you train. You're building resistance and endurance and your children need resistance to some things in their lives, some desires in their hearts, because if they're allowed to run full vent into all the things that are in their hearts and minds, they will literally bring considerable harm to themselves. They need correction. They need discipline. Same idea, same word. They need training. Both formative instruction and ongoing training are essential to being a godly parent. We balance both of these things. And as we navigate 
these dynamics today, let, 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 me, let me focus more on, on this aspect of discipline or training because I think that's the more difficult of the two. And, and so in, in our remaining moments together, uh, let me walk you through a few reasons why this is so very important. We're, we're gonna talk about some um, parameters for immediate corrective action and then a routine that I think will be helpful and, and would lead to not just behavior modification, but gospel transformation in the lives of our kids. That's our goal. All right, let me, let me talk about what, some reasons. Why, why this is emphasized really um, throughout the scriptures. Okay, three reasons for, for godly discipline or, or ongoing training. Okay, I'm encourage you to take these down. First of all, repentance. What, what's the first goal for discipline or training? It's repentance. We want to see our children learn the value of turning away from those desires that are evil and harmful to them. Repentance, right? Proverbs 23, 13 says this, don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death or hell. You're training their soul, not just their Actions. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children while there is still hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. And speaking on behalf of those of us in the room who observing you not disciplining your children, you're kind of ruining our lives too, okay? Making it really difficult on us. <laughs> now, listen, these are... These are profound words. Look, 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 at the, look, look, at, look at what's in view here. It's not, it's not just behavioral modification. It's ultimately gospel transformation. In disciplining our children and bringing that corrective training into their lives, we're ultimately trying to shape their souls, not just their external actions. And if, and if, you, and if you cultivate in them a spirit of repentance, a pattern of repentance, notice that pattern the Proverbs say might very well lead to the salvation of their souls from hell. And as Proverbs 19 says, the ruining of their lives. You might save them from ruining their lives. So repentance, seeing the, the blessing of turning the other way when you're headed the wrong way. All right, secondly, a second reason we discipline is for restoration. Restoration. Here's the reality, our sin, our disobedience, our selfishness, you know, our anger and, and, and uh, some of the words we say at times, you know what, the, these things, they don't just affect us, you know what, they also affect our relationships. And so one of the reasons we discipline our children and train them is to show the beauty of restoration and that whenever there is a breach between one person and another, that breach can only be bridged after there is confession and repentance and ownership of the sin, and then that breach is crossed and, and there's restoration. Proverbs 3.11, look at this. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those whom he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. What's, what's the implication here? That the Lord even corrects us, brings circumstances into our lives, allows us sometimes to endure the consequences of our sins. And he's working to bring correction and discipline into our lives. Why? So that we can have a meaningful relationship with him. In other words, the discipline is rooted in love, not anger. The discipline is designed to bring a restoration of the relationship. That's the goal. The goal is not punishment. No, the goal is 
repentance, and then restoration. Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. And those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Because in that training, in that discipline, there is relational restoration and not ongoing friction, tension, anger, and division. And so we, we discipline, we correct. This is hard. It gets, it gets so tiring at times. It's difficult to navigate all the ins and outs, the older the kids get, and all these multiple dynamics we face. But it's important to balance formative instruction and corrective discipline because discipline leads to repentance, restoration, and then finally, righteousness. There is no righteousness without repentance and restoration, first to God and then one another. I love Hebrews 12. Look at this. This is talking about, again, our relationship with God, but notice the connection to parenting, right? The author of Hebrews says, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for just a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us. In other words, it's ongoing so that we might share in his holiness. And no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there's a peaceful harvest of what? In the original language, it's the word righteousness. The peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who are trained in this way. Do you realize in your life there is no peace without righteousness? There is no peace without holiness. Do you realize you're... You're made, created to be in communion with God. And whenever there's sin, rebellion, anger, selfishness, that creates that gap between you and God. And in that gap, there is turmoil and frustration and disappointment and, and chaos. And, and here's what repentance does. Here's what restoration does. It brings righteousness back into play to where we're walking and living our lives in such a way that we're honoring the Lord and reflecting his glory. And that always brings the fruitful peace that we need in our lives. And that's true in our relationship with our kids. One of the reasons we discipline is to bring out repentance and then, and then restoration and then righteousness. To see, we wanna teach our kids to see the beauty of holiness and living according to God's design. So I just wanna show you, why is this so important? It is so very important because there's more in play than just behavioral modification. No, we see connected to scripture, God's design for both formative instruction and corrective discipline that, that we teach our kids the beauty of repentance, restoration, and righteousness. Now, some of you are like, okay, but in the actual daily grind of having to discipline, how, how, do, how do I know when to bring the hammer? <laughs> like, like, how should I think about this in terms of a child who's foolish or just childish or a child maybe who's rebellious or strong-willed. And, and, and so let me, let me take kind of a next, a, a next step here and what I call like rules for immediate discipline, all right? Just some parameters that I think are important for us to consider in shaping the hearts and lives of our kids. And, and uh, again, my wife and I have been through this. And for those of you in this stage, maybe you're a new parent or a newer parent and you're like, okay, okay, I, I get that. I need I need, to, I need to discipline, I need to, I need to train for repentance, for restoration, for righteousness. Okay, but then how, how do I know when to do that, how to do that? Let me, let me give you what I call just some rules, some like rules for immediate discipline. This is, okay, 
This is different than foolishness or childishness. This is you do not pass go, you do not collect $200, you go directly to timeout. Three guiding principles have been true for our family, been very helpful. First of all, no defiance. Okay, let me give you all three. No defiance, no dishonesty, no disrespect. And these are, these are critical areas. Let me, let me break them down. First of all, no defiance. So how, how do I know, like, okay, like when, when things are ratcheted up to where I, where, where I need to bring immediate correction, well, well, first of all, no defiance. This is true if you have, if you have toddlers, all right, you've got little kids. I, I said this a couple weeks ago, I just wanna remind you, those of you with two-year-olds, just wait, the three-year-old stage is a lot worse for most of us. Everybody talks about the terrible twos. If the twos are terrible, then the threes are torrential. And, and so somewhere in that two to three range, especially with a strong-willed child, you're gonna, you're gonna find like all kinds of things happen that, that lead you to the conclusion that your child is an alien species. <laughs> Kicking, screaming, throwing themselves on the floor, disciplining them and having them say, that didn't hurt. I remember I said that to my dad one time and one time only. <laughs> I remember when, when my kids were little, we, we, we had one of our kids. I mean, we'd say, okay, time for bed. Let's pick up our toys and go. Just look up. Like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe I was speaking too fast. Maybe they thought I said, do you like broccoli? I don't know. I don't, I'm like, Okay, let me say this again. Okay, it's, all right, it's eight o'clock. It's time to pick up our toys. Let's get our pajamas on, brush our teeth. Come on, let's go. And in that moment, I realized that my children were becoming a lot more like my wife. And I, I just, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know what to do now, right? No, I, I mean, I remember my wife and I, they're like looking at each other like, where did this come from? Uh, I remember, you know, sometimes, <laughs> this is what I call, I remember one of our kids used to do these little like tantrums, right? And um, it, it's different levels of tantrum. There's, there's what I call, there's the stop, drop, and roll. There's the running man. And then there's the dancing with the stars, right? Like the, the stop, drop, and roll is just, ah! and, then, and then like, okay, the running man is like, no. Ah! But then there's like, okay, let's go. You see that? Do not move from that spot. A little dancing with the stars right there, you know? Maybe your kids are in the stop, drop, and roll. Maybe they're doing the running man. Maybe they're doing the dancing with the stars, whatever it is. But like things happen for which there is no explanation because they're little sinners possessed by the devil, okay? And, and sometimes, especially those of you with strong-willed children, there'll be acts of defiance that defy your understanding. And so let me give you a word. Those of you with strong-willed children, here's a word of encouragement and discouragement all rolled up into one. Here's the reality. Your will has to outlast theirs. That's the only way through it. You see all these wrinkles on my face? That's from two of my kids, y'all. I'm not gonna name them, but they know who they are. <laughs> it's hard. 
Some of you maybe just coming into it. Your child's two, three. You're seeing like this, this, this defiant streak in them at times. Buckle up. It could be a couple years. But we're here for you. We're with you. There's some of us, we've got wounds, scars. We're limping. But, but we're veterans. We survived it. You know what I mean? We came through it. And, and listen to me. You cannot cave in. Your will has to outlast theirs. And so here's what that looks like. You have to have a guiding principle in your home that there will be no defiance. There will be no tolerated defiance. Let me tell you what this looks like. Moms, there, there, were, there were multiple occasions with my sweet wife where she would call me, I'd be at work, and she would say, well, I just left about $300 worth of groceries sitting in the cart at the checkout line because... X, Y, Z would not obey and threw a fit. And I said, one more time, we're leaving. And, and, and one more time, and I, I took this child and I dropped him off at the, um, well, I can't tell you where they, okay, but um, <laughs> hey, she had to leave the store. She said, should I call the store and apologize? To, I, I, somebody's got to put back literally an entire cart were the groceries because I said enough is enough. And we went home and we had a little come to Jesus meeting. More than one occasion that happened. One of my, one of my awesome children, listen, this child went through a season where, where they would not, would not go to bed at night, would not stay in bed at night. I mean, I'm talking defiant. And I'm talking World War III in my house. Here's what we did. We had to move this child into a completely separate bedroom. We had to root, I had to, I had to relocate the child in my own house and put this child in a room. I am not making this up. Where for a month, I would put, put my sweet baby to bed and I would sit down outside the door. And I had a TV in that room for my sanity. <laughs> and um, if, if there's some of you in this boat right now, you just pray it's during football season when there's stuff on TV. And um, I mean, I'm talking every night for a month. I'm not making this up. We put, put my sweet little baby to bed and I'd sit my bottom right there outside the door and I'd, I'd hear, I'd hear, you know. And I'd peek my head around that door and she got. And then, and think I was gone, get back up again. I'd whip that head around that door. Sometimes I'd just duct tape my child to the wall. I thought that'd be easier. You know, I'm tired. I gotta go to bed. And I mean, I sat there for a month until finally my will outlasted my baby's will. And uh, my little three-year-old tyrant realized I'm not gonna win and finally developed a pattern and routine where I'd stay in bed. I've got a hundred more stories like that. <laughs> I don't wanna tell them because I don't wanna discourage anybody from being a parent. But I do wanna encourage you, those of you, especially if a strong-willed child or, or if you're just in the twos or threes, I, I just, listen, here, here's the thing. No defiant. There's not going to be defiance. You cannot tolerate it. Your will has to outlast theirs. Secondly, no dishonesty. Communication that compromises character. You'll be amazed if you're a new parent today how quickly your sweet little angel takes Adam's pattern into his or her life and starts making excuses and blaming others. 
We have a policy, no dishonesty. You go straight to jail, <laughs> you do not pass, go. You do not collect $200, that's a big deal. And then finally, no disrespect. You're gonna find early in the toddler years maybe, more what we would call defiance and more maybe in the teenage years, just blatant disrespect. Here's why these three areas are so critical for you to be on top of as a parent. Hear me on this. This is, these, these, are, these categories, these areas are different than, okay, don't throw the ball in the house and your four-year-old forgets or you have a rule, you take your shoes off and you come in the house and they forget and get mud in the house. Okay, your kids are gonna mess up and there might be times where there's some discipline involved in that if it's perpetual or whatever, but childishness, foolishness is different than defiance, dishonesty and disrespect for this reason. Defiance, dishonesty, disrespect all involve the will. Your child may forget to take his or her shoes off when he or she comes into the house. They cannot and will not accidentally defy you. They cannot and will not accidentally tell a lie. They cannot and will not accidentally disrespect you. You see, here's the thing. We have, to, we have to tear this discipline out. This is one of the ways that fathers and mothers, we exasperate our kids, we, we frustrate them as if we treat every offense like a capital offense. Every offense isn't a capital offense. You say, okay, well, what is a capital offense? What are the things that I really need to monitor and be careful of more than anything else? I'm telling you, no defiance, no dishonesty, no disrespect. Why? They all involve the will. And we're not after just changing the actions of our kids. Aren't we ultimately about changing their hearts? And, and when you see defiance, disrespect, dishonesty, these are acts of the will. And, and we've got to teach our kids. No, you know, there are times, especially if they're strong-willed, no, there are times. There are times when your will will take you down a path that is incredibly destructive to you. And it's our privilege and our burden, moms and dads, to correct that in our kids before it's too late. And it's tough, I'm here, I'm here to sympathize with you. If you're in that stage right now, it's tough. Stay with it, stay at it. Your will has to outlast theirs in these three areas. And, and so if that's helpful, I hope in, in just kind of understanding what's the difference between a childish act and like a defiant act. Well, there's a huge difference because one involves the will and one does not. And, and the ones that involve the will are the ones that you have to monitor at all times. Let me say it to you this way, okay? We discipline, especially these areas, lovingly and consistently, because hear me now, the consequences of discipline will be less hurtful to our children than the consequences of unrepentant sin. And the worst thing you can do for your children, especially your strong-willed children, is to allow them to live in such a way that they grow up thinking there are no, little or no consequences for their rebellious acts and actions. And no, 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 you need to show them through your discipline that yes, even though this discipline hurts, even though it's hard, sometimes, <laughs> some, sometimes it's harder for the parent. It's exhausting, but, but you're teaching your children, no, the consequences, the hardship of this corrective training or discipline is way less harmful to you than, 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 than unrepentant rebellion and willful disobedience and defiance against the Lord one day. And, and that's where the Proverbs speak to this, right? Pro Proverbs 14 says this, this is one of my favorite Proverbs. There is a path before each person that seems right but its end is death. There is a way that seems right to a man, to every man, 
but its end is death. You know what the role of a parent is? To show our children the foolishness of going down a path of their own making and avoiding the path that God has established for them. And so we think about why do we discipline? Why do we have a pattern of both formative instruction and corrective discipline? Well, we wanna see repentance, restoration, and righteousness. And, and that comes through, especially if your kids begin to, they're gonna push, they're gonna push against your will and try to exert their will at some point in some way, all right? And there's gotta be just parameters, no defiance, no dishonesty, no disrespect. And then finally, let me give you a little routine here, just a routine then of how, how, how you go about establishing it. What I found to be through, honestly, just failure and through some successes, if you will, just a godly routine for discipline to where it's not rooted in anger, it's rooted in love. First of all, explanation, all right? Explanation. Make sure your child has clarity about why the discipline is happening. I mentioned this before, but as your kids are young, they need rules. As they mature, they need reason. Have a conversation with them. Treat them like young adults. Navigate with them as best as you can why you're doing what you're doing so that they don't see you as a legalist. <laughs> they see you as a loving parent who's really striving for their best. They won't always get it and understand, but it's important that there is a part of your routine for discipline. There's a clear explanation of why the discipline is happening. We're not just flying off the handle. No, we're clear on why we're having to do whatever we have to do. Secondly, confession. It's important to teach our children about confession. Listen, we cannot grow into who God wants us to be without owning our sin. And we look at the example of David in the Old Testament. We see a man after God's own heart who was so, why? Because when he sinned, he owned it, he confessed it, and, and he, he turned away from it. And that's an important part of our discipline, not just to discipline and move on, but to explain and then to lead our children to see what they've done, to confess it to God, maybe to you and maybe to a sibling or someone else. Third, and then correction, correction. Okay, so there's, there's explanation, there's confession, we're trying to work toward confession, and then there's some type of corrective action, training, the New Testament says, right? And, and, and just make a note of this, correction should match both the immediate offense and the desired outcome. You want your correction to match both the immediate offense and the desired outcome. And there's gonna be a lot of flexibility here. Let me, let me just tell you, again, I'm hoping to encourage you, especially those of you starting out, okay? My wife and I, when, when, before our first was born, we went through a, like a program in our church. It was actually really, really good, but it was called Growing Kids God's Way. Some of you may have seen it or maybe you've been through it. We went through Growing Kids God's Way and we had no idea what to do. As a parent, and we're facing this, and, and um, so we went through this program, and I'm thinking, growing kids God's way, right? We went through it, and we learned that is God's way. If you deviate from it, you will go to hell. And so we didn't know any different, so we're like, okay, like we're, we are like growing kids God's way, enthusiasts, legalists, like nap time, play time. Like, dude, like we're all in on this. Like it was like, it was like we're just like, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you have to do it. If you're going to do this God's way, this is how you have to do it. And if you don't do it this way, then you're a horrible person and parent. Okay, and so I remember we going all the way through. And then really, really good stuff, by the way. Really, really good. You know, we learn, like, sometimes you got to call an audible. Like, the personalities of your kids, like, whether they're strong-willed or not strong-willed. Like, some of the immediate circumstances are unique. Like, like. You, you gotta be flexible here when it talks about the, these corrective actions. We, we had some kids to where, um, how can I say this? 
If we needed to go behind the woodshed, it was effective. <laughs> Not that anything happened by there, we were just sightseeing. Okay, but like, if we went behind the woodshed, like very effective. We, we, had, we had some of our other children, truthfully, like time out and time away from our family was literally the worst thing on planet earth. And so we had, to, we, we had to learn to kind of tailor make discipline at times for what would be most effective, for what would be like appropriate for the offense and also to bring about the desired outcome. Here's what I'm saying to you. It's good to have training wheels if you've never been a parent before, but don't be a slave to your training wheels. The personalities of your kids are different. The circumstances of your discipline is gonna be different. There are multiple factors to consider. Sometimes now the greatest thing about your kids having technology is you can take it away. Sometimes that's another avenue of corrective discipline that you can use. So what, I just wanna encourage you today to see what's the routine. Well, explain clearly, lead them to confess. And then when you get to correction, make sure the correction matches the immediate offense and the desired outcome. And I just want you to feel flexibility here and not feel like, oh my goodness, I'm doing this right or wrong all the time. No. I mean, we're, again, it's tough. It's really, really tough. It's the toughest job on planet earth. But just remember, you need to have a pattern of correction because what gets rewarded gets repeated. And and if you're rewarding your child's sinful behavior with, with no discipline, then guess what? They will just perpetuate that. Because human nature, all of us, as, even as children, are wired in such a way that we don't adjust to what's communicated, we adjust to what's tolerated. You can have 100 rules in your home all day long. If you don't ever enforce them, your kids will figure that out. They'll adjust to what's tolerated, not what's communicated. So, so we think about a pattern here of godly discipline. Well, explanation confession, correction. We're looking for uh, uh, an immediate offense with, a, with, with, with a, a desired outcome. That's how we're gonna correct and discipline. We're taking into consideration multiple factors that no program can address completely. But, but the point is we, we are in a pattern where we're gonna train, 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 train with both formative instruction and corrective discipline. And then, and then two things quickly. And then fourth, intercession. Hey, I wanna encourage you, if this is not a part of your discipline process, pray with your children, pray with them. Pray for their restoration to God, to you, to others, and, and, and pray for your children and, and, and teach them that every sin in some way is a sin against God. And so it's important to have that pattern of prayer and then finally restoration. Godly discipline always results in relational restoration. And where there's a breach, there needs to be restoration. That's important. Could be a teacher could be a peer, could be a parent, a grandparent, a sibling. But it's important to make sure they see that after there's confession, correction, intercession, then there's restoration. Because let me say this one more time, the goal for our children and our discipline and our teaching is not just behavior modification, it's gospel transformation. And here's the beauty of the gospel. You ready for this? In the gospel, God has dealt with all of our sin by punishing his son in our place so that through faith in Jesus Christ, our sin can be forgiven. We can be restored to a righteous status before God himself adopted into his family as sons and daughters and then able to walk in newness of life. And God does all this work in our lives as you've seen today not just so that we're better behaved on our way to hell, 
but so that we miss hell altogether and we enter the glory of heaven. God's not most interested in your behavior modification. He's most concerned in the transformation of your heart, your life, your eternity. That's the beauty of the gospel. And so in a very real sense, moms and dads, grandmother, grandfather, hey, be encouraged today in our privileges and our responsibilities. We're simply trying to emulate the loving kindness of our father whose work in our lives through both teaching and training is redemptive, it is eternal, and it's good. And that's what we're trying to do.